Our final scripture comes from Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the set time had finally fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. The grass withers and the flowers fade. All right, good morning. Um, well, it's not every... A uh, single year that Christmas falls uh, on a Sunday, but when it does, it does feel extra special. Uh, and I want to uh, especially welcome those of you who are traveling from out of town, uh, joining us for worship today. One of the cool things about being a Christian is that no matter where you are around the world, Tokyo, Sydney, Kampala, London, uh, you always have a family when you are a Christian wherever you go around the world. And so if you're joining us here for worship today, uh, we're grateful that you can be with us. Uh, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors at Exilic. And uh, yesterday, uh, me, my cousins, my aunts, uncles, nephews, and nieces, uh, we had the honor of celebrating my grandmother's 100th birthday. Crazy, right? Uh, she was born, uh, so her, her, her birthday, it goes by the lunar calendar, so it changes every single year. Uh, but she was born in 1923. And just to put 1923 in a little bit more of historical context, in 1923, there were no helicopters, there were no microwaves, there were no ballpoint pens, there wasn't even scotch tape that was invented yet. And so a lot has happened over the course of 100 years. A lot of technological progress has been made. Now, have, have we made moral progress? It's debatable, right? And, and you can look on any comment section of any post in social media as empirical proof that there's still some savagery uh, that is in our hearts. But at least technologically, there has been a lot of progress that's made. And so one of the things that I want us to think about today is this. Is history progressing? And if history is progressing, where are we progressing to? Where exactly are we going? Is, is it living in Mars and having Elon Musk be our savior? Where exactly are we headed towards as humanity? And when you take a look at this passage, Galatians 4, it's not your typical Christmas account uh, that's found in the Gospels. Nevertheless, uh, the Christmas story is very much embedded in Galatians chapter 4. And when you take a look at verse 4a, it says this. But when the set time had fully come. Now, ancient people believed that history was cyclical. So around and around we go. So they, ancient people never believed that we were actually going anywhere or making progress anywhere. It wasn't until the advent of Christianity that our world started to believe that history was actually making progress, that we're actually going in some kind of direction and that truth is sort of marching on as it were. And this idea that history is progressing forward greatly influenced leaders, thinkers, and activists like MLK. And in his very famous Selma speech, which he borrowed also um, the, the, this, this, this idea that history is marching forward from uh, pastors such as Theodore Parker, in front of thousands of people at Selma, 
in order to inspire hope into the black community and humanity as a whole against the white supremacy and brutality that was taking place. MLK talks about history progressing forward, and this is what he says in his sermon. However difficult the moment, however frustrating the hour, it will not be long, because truth crushed to earth will rise again. How long? Not long, because no one can live forever. How long? Not long, because you shall reap what you sow. How long? Not long, because the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards why the universe exists and why he exists. So what Hawking is saying is that we can actually have something from nothing, and the reason for that is because the law of gravity already exists and how it exists and was already there, we don't know, but through spontaneous creation, it can create actually something from totally nothing. Glenn Scrivener, an Australian theologian, responds to Hawking by saying this, as miracles go, the universe spontaneously creating itself, as Hawking would say, would be unparalleled. Everything from nothing. Christians believe in the virgin birth of Jesus, but this would mean the virgin birth of the cosmos without a virgin, without anything. And so he says, choose your miracle. And so what Scrivener is saying here is that it takes faith to believe in both virgin births, the virgin birth of the cosmos without a virgin and the virgin birth of Jesus as well. The difference, though, is this. With Hawking, the reason for your existence is total accident. And because you were never meant to be here, there was no ultimate purpose to your life. Therefore, there really is no meaning to your life either. But in Christianity, you were made with intentionality and purpose, and therefore your life actually has meaning uh, and purpose as well. And so Paul continues. So when he says, so when the set time had come, God sent his son. He entered into our story. And while, like, while he was like us, he was unlike us. And it says he was born of a woman and he was born under the law. Now, if there's anyone that could be above the law instead of under the law, it's a king. It's a God. But God subjugates himself to be under the law. You know, uh, two, two of my girls uh, were performing up here, and they were born under our laws, the Chong household rules. So don't touch the stove, be kind to one another, floss, brush your teeth, clean your room. And the reason why we have these laws or rules is for two reasons. Number one, to be a guide on how to live right. But there's a second reason why we have these laws, not just as a guide on how to live right, but also to show them how they live wrong when they break the rules. And sometimes they obey and sometimes they don't. Jesus was human like us in every way, but if to err is human, he was unlike us in every way because he never erred even once. Never gossiped, never had a bitter thought, never felt superior over someone else, was always a servant, was always compassionate, was always kind, 
He never erred even once. And because of that, he qualified himself to be our representative. Because he was like us, but he was so unlike us in any other way, which is why in verse 5a it says this, he was not only born of a woman and born under the law, but he was born under the law to redeem those under the law. Now, when you hear the word redeem, uh, outside of a Christian context, we think of it more like you redeem a coupon to save money. So you exchange that coupon to save money. And similarly, the reason why Jesus came was to exchange himself, not to save money, but to actually save us. I know that some of you may have been uh, probably following the, uh, the events with uh, Brittany Griner, uh, the WNBA player, and I am not going to get into political commentary about this, okay, because I know that there are a lot of different opinions uh, about Griner and, and the exchange that took place and her redemption, as it were, uh, because there are other Americans that are hostage in Russia. So I'm not going to get into political commentary on this, but I just want to make two observations about the opinions that people have about the Griner situation. The first are those that feel like uh, saving any American is super, super important. Okay, no matter what we have to give up, the value of an American life is the most important thing. So there are those that have that opinion. There are, there are other people, though, that believe that that was not a fair exchange because we gave up a Russian spy who hates Americans for what, a professional athlete? And so there's another camp that says that's not a fair exchange. We should have gotten more for this. Now, if there's anyone that could have said, this is not a fair exchange, I did nothing wrong. Why do I have to be the one that die to atone for other people's sins? It was Jesus. And yet he willingly, voluntarily, lovingly, sacrificially exchanges himself to ransom us, to redeem us. Or, as Paul would say in his very last phrase, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And just as Paul was not trying to be feminist when he said that Jesus was only born of a woman and not a woman and a man, here he's not trying to be a misogynist when he says that we are all adopted as sons. To put this in historical, ancient context, in the ancient world, and when I say ancient world, this doesn't necessarily mean that this is what the Bible promotes, but in the ancient world, slaves had no inheritance. It was only sons that had inheritance. And so here, when Paul is saying that we have been adopted as sons. What he's saying is that men and women, girls and boys, we have that sonship. We inherit everything that the Father has, everything. Obviously, all of his riches, heaven. But it's more than just heaven. What we inherit is him. You know, oftentimes when adoption is talked about, it's talked about from the perspective of only the child, and, and understandably so. But if you talk to any mom or dad who has gone through the adoption process, what they will tell you is that their adoption process is very rigorous. 
And the reason for that is because the judge has to vet whether this mom or dad, this potential mom or dad are qualified to really love and take care of this child. So as we think about adoption, I not only want to think about it from our inheritance, but I also want you to think about it from the perspective of the adoptor. If God is the one that adopts us, what that means is that he has a responsibility to take care of you, you, and you. What that means is that he has a responsibility to be our father, to love us, to watch over us, and to take care of us. I mentioned before that there's this idea that history is marching forward and that truth is marching on, that God has a plan for the redemption of human history, but you also need to know that he has a plan specifically for your life too. And especially as we wind down 2022 and we're about to approach 2023, which is crazy, it's hard not to think sometimes about how your life is not going according to your plans. It's not going accordingly, it's going unaccordingly. Like, I thought I'd be married by now. I thought I'd have kids by now. I thought I'd be at this point of my career by now. I thought I would have this much money by now. I thought I would have all of these things, and it's hard not to think about those things as time progresses forward and forward and forward. But if there's one thing that we can learn from Galatians, it's this, God has a plan. In the beginning, he had a plan. When the set time had fully come, he had a plan for human history. But you also need to know as a loving father, he has a plan for your life. And oftentimes, what you want is not really what you need. I think about all the things that I wanted at a particular age, and I thank God that he did not give me what I wanted. But according to his perfect plan, he will give you what you need when you need it because he is a loving parent that knows what is best uh, for every single one of us. And the second thing that I, I want to talk about as we wrap up is that I know that this world that we live in can feel very dystopian. There's a pandemic, there's a war, gas prices are up, there's a looming recession. If it's, if it's not already here, unemployment is spiking higher and higher and higher. And it can feel like we live in a very dystopian world. But one of the things that I haven't mentioned yet up to this point is this. We see how in Genesis 1, God creates everything in the beginning. And in Galatians 4, when the set time had come for Jesus to be born. But the question is this, where are we going now? Where are we going now? And one of the things that we have to know is that as we progress forward in the history of God's plan of redemption, we are actually marching towards a second Christmas. But this time, God is not coming to forgive our sins, but he's coming to fix everything that is broken. Both, most Jewish people and all Christians believe that a Messiah will come back. The difference is that Jewish people believe that he's coming back or he's coming for a first time, whereas Christians believe that he's coming for a second time. That's the difference. There's one prominent Jewish thinker that was once asked the question, when the Messiah returns or when the Messiah comes, what is the one question that you would like to ask him? And this prominent Jewish thinker said, have you been here before? Because that would change everything.
Where is history progressing towards? Where are we marching towards? His second coming, a second Christmas, when he comes not just to forgive our sins, but to fix everything wrong with this world and to make it right again. That's the end. That's the destination. That's the telos. That's what we hope and wait for. So as we wrap up this year, uh, I want you to place your hope in that. The greatest threat to Christmas is not the Grinch or Santa Claus or consumerism, but the greatest threat to Christmas in your life is familiarity. Because familiarity breeds apathy. Familiarity with the greatest story ever told, a story that is still unfolding as we speak. And when the set time comes again, as truth marches on, he will fix everything that is wrong in your life and in the world that we live in. So ponder anew, ponder anew what the Almighty can do and will do in your life and in the world that we live in. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you uh, for Galatians 4. We thank you that you have a plan. Nothing goes unaccordingly. And sometimes we feel like you're too late or you're too early and you're not in sync with our plans. But God, we know that your plans are not our plans and your plans are perfect, even if we don't understand it. But help us to trust it, which is oftentimes the hardest thing to do in life, to trust you. But if you have adopted us, surely it means that you love us as well. Otherwise, you would have forsaken us. So help us to cling to your bosom. Help us to cling to the fact that you love us dearly. Help us to cling to our sonship as sons and daughters of a great king. And as we wrap up this year, help us not to live with regret, but hope, knowing that you are not only have a plan for humanity, but a plan for us as well. In your name I pray. Amen.